weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Good morning. You're very, very welcome along to KCLR Live. Unaniv Weldownig and Brian Redmond with you this morning. Lots and lots coming up. We will be talking about Seskin Wind Farm. We'll also be chatting to Fidelis Doherty. And we'll be giving you the chance to win some money, which if you found yourself this morning owing a few quid to Bank of Ireland could prove extremely useful. But first off, we're going to head to Edwina Grace for the news. Good morning and welcome along to KCLR Live this Wednesday morning, four minutes past ten. Brian Redmond and Una Newell Downing are in studio with you until twelve. You can free phone us on eighteen hundred ninety ninety six ninety six, or indeed you can text us on KCLR's text and WhatsApp line brought to you by Dinners Ready 083 696. Ethna and all the team are ready to answer your emails. KCLR live at KCLR96FM.com. Lots to do this morning, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention the Family Carers Ireland in Kilkenny, unfortunately, have had to cancel the support group meeting, which was due to take place this morning. It's been rescheduled um, for the following Wednesday, the 23rd um, of August at 11am. So if you are planning on heading that way, or if you know anybody what that was, please do pass that information on. Um, we'll be talking Bank of Ireland in money, money, money. Were you out buying a TV? We'll be discussing that a little bit in a moment. But first of all, it's a chance for us to give you in association with and to celebrate everything Heritage Week a 100 euro one for all voucher and it is yours nobody will be taking it back in the coming days all you have to do is listen to the clue and uh, we've got two clues in each hour this morning and identify the heritage site that we're talking about have a little listen to Etna describing this morning's first site of interest <laughs> I was formerly at the centre of a 20,000 acre estate that has dominated the Carlow landscape for over 300 years. I have walled gardens and am one of the most photogenic buildings in Carlow. What am I? Yes, if you can identify that heritage site, text or WhatsApp us now on 083 306 9696 and we will give you that 100 euro one for all voucher. Oh, money, money, money. Yes, it sort of kicked off last night when people started to notice that Bank of Ireland ATMs were, were doing all sorts of weird things. Uh, Una, did you jump up out of bed and go running out to find your local ATM late last night? I most certainly did not, Brian. You must have, if I would do that. A woman of integrity. Well, <laughs> joining us in the studio, or joining us on the phone, should I say, this morning... Um, to find out what it was all about, what was going on. Jerry Farrell from Castleview Financial Services. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Good morning, Una. Morning, Jerry. Well, Jerry, were you somebody who was out uh, checking your bank account statement and f- trying to find an, a local ATM that you could get access to this free money, as some people were calling it last night? Well, I was not, indeed. Uh, Brian, I was actually on the way back into the country last night, and so I missed all of the chaos, but... Uh, have familiarised myself with it uh, overnight and this morning and so what Bank of Ireland are saying I guess is that it was a problem with the app and and the ATM system, a, a glitch they're calling it mm. uh, and they've fixed those technical problems or that technological breakdown um, overnight or this morning so 
Uh, but I, I think it's a couple of key points, isn't there? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, we've been in contact with Bank of Ireland to see if there's anybody available for comment. And unfortunately, they're all quite busy this morning. But we do have their official <laughs> statement. <laughs> they're, they're trying to, they've got the calculators out trying to work out how much money they're down overnight. But the official statement says, Yesterday, a technical issue impacted a number of Bank of Ireland services. Our teams restored these services overnight. And all services are available to customers this morning. Overnight payments to accounts may appear throughout the day today. We are aware that the technical issue meant some customers were able to withdraw or transfer funds above their normal limits. These transfers and withdrawals will be applied to customers customers' accounts today. We urge any customer who may find themselves in financial difficulty due to overdrawing on their account to contact us. We sincerely apologise for the disruption this outage caused and we know we fell far below the standards our customers expect from us. The key word for me in that statement is that word overdrawing. Uh, Jerry, it's mm-hmm. very much going to be the uh, customer's responsibilities to, to deal with and handle this uh, situation properly and, and honestly. It is indeed. I mean, so lots of people were taking out money that they didn't have and they were buying stuff that they couldn't afford. And as we Well, they could afford it last night because there was uh, a lot more money in their account than they thought they had. <laughs> uh, yeah, and as we can see, the bank is going to apply those uh, debited amounts to anyone who, who uh, undertook those transactions over the last uh, 12 or 18 hours or so. But there's a couple of broader, bigger issues, I think, uh, Brian. So Bank of Ireland were lauding the fact gosh, less than six months ago that they had invested significantly in um, technology platforms. Uh, Now I'm talking about the tens of millions. And uh, so they need to really, really quickly find out how this glitch has happened. I suppose that's the first thing. The second thing is it feels like in the world we live in that this is probably going to become a little bit more familiar, either by accident or by design. And so with the advent of uh, artificial intelligence or the uh, the improvements therein um, cyber security and protecting technology systems are going to become much more important so for any avid listeners with leave and serve results coming up very very soon if anybody's interested in third level and where the future of successful careers might be it definitely feels like it might be in the IT infrastructure and cyber security side of the house and then The other thing to put people's minds at rest who are listening to us this morning is to say that we have a policing authority in this jurisdiction. It's called the Central Bank of Ireland. They have ultimate responsibility to make sure that all of our financial services organisations, whether that's Castleview or whether that's a life assurance company or whether that indeed is Bank of Ireland or any other bank, are doing exactly what they should be doing. So there will be a full investigation, I have no doubt, and we will have Central Bank of Ireland investigators uh, liaising with Bank of Ireland to find out why this happened, how it happened, and how they're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, but the key message, I think, for, for our listeners this morning, Jerry, will be if uh, if you did withdraw some money last night, unless, well, unless you can afford it, don't spend it, because it's going to be debited to your account today, and if you went and bought yourself a 55-inch TV screen um, from a local department store... It, you're not going to be able to pay the rent by handing over somebody a screen that you sort of on a whim bought last night. Maybe some of those local department stores might be receiving the goods back today or <laughs> yeah. in the next day or two indeed as well. And so that is the key point. Of course it is. And there is, ultimately, there is a personal responsibility. Just because the bank has a computer glitch doesn't mean it is a free-for-all from a 
uh, accessing cash that is not yours perspective. Um, so it has to be paid back. Yeah, okay, Jerry. Listen, thank you very much for joining us at such short notice this morning. Jerry Farrell from Castleview Financial Services. Did you see some of the uh, social media stuff last night, Una, of people queuing at ATMs right around the country? I certainly did. And dear, I see I enjoyed it. I like the spirit of somebody that will say, come on, let's take advantage of this. Oh. And of course, you know, legally you are obliged to pay it back, etc., etc. But back in our student days, Brian, we would all have loved a bit of crack like that, would we? Well, interestingly enough, one of the comments and posts I saw was actually from Maynooth. Bank of Ireland Maynooth had queues right up the street. And of course, a big student uh, population in Maynooth. Interestingly, um, it's going to cause problems for people because, as I said, debits are going to hit their bank accounts this morning. Morning. They may have uh, had a bit of a jolly up, as we're all entitled to have when we want. Um, but you still got to pay the rent at the end of the month. You do. And listen, things can be returned. If there's sometimes a little bit of fever like that catches on, but it'll all, I suppose, calm down today yeah, and yeah. the money will be paid back or the goods will be returned. But the images were good, I have to say. They were. If you were out and about uh, anywhere and you saw people queuing at ATMs or maybe you were standing in the queue yourself and you want to let us know about the folklore that will be, it'll be one of those things that'll probably show up on reading in the years in 10 years' time. People standing at ATMs last night. Do let us know, 083-306-9696. Now, EDF Renewables Ireland is planning to submit an, a planning application to Carlow County Council for seven turbines close to Lachlan Bridge. What's known as the Seskin Wind Farm will be located just northwest of Old Lachlan. Last evening, the company held an in-person event at the Lord Bagnall to speak to residents and others um, about their plans and to answer questions. And as always, our own Edwina Grace was there and caught up with David Clancy, who's an external affairs manager with EDF Renewables. I look after community engagement as well as public affairs for EDF Renewables. We're a developer of wind and solar farms. Primarily, we also develop battery energy storage. So we've been in Ireland since 2021. We have three operational solar farms in Wexford and Kilkenny. We're developing Codling Wind Farm, which will hopefully be Ireland's largest offshore wind farm off the coast of Wicklow. We also have announced plans for five onshore wind farms around the country, of which Seskin Wind Farm is, is one. That's why we're here in Carlow, to share our kind of detailed plans for what is a really exciting project for the county, and also to give people an opportunity to feedback on those plans. You know, we really want to hear what people think about them any questions we can answer or any kind of concerns that we can we can address we'll touch on those concerns in just a moment but can you sum up the project at seskin for us absolutely yeah so seskin wind farm will be hopefully a seven turbine project it's located to the northwest of the village of old lockton and so as well as the wind turbines you'll have a battery energy storage compound you will have a substation and then you will have a grid connection that will take the wind energy generated from the wind farm connected into the national grid and we estimate that the project will be circa 50 megawatts in capacity and so what that means is the project will be capable of powering about 36,000 homes across Ireland and obviously you know the really important thing about that is that the more onshore wind we generate the more renewable energy we have in the system the less we're reliant on fossil fuels the cheaper you know, consumers can get their electricity, your listeners can get their electricity, the less Ireland is reliant on burning fossil fuels. As things stand, Ireland is spending about a million euro every hour on imported fossil fuels. And obviously, with, you know, I think the effects of the climate crisis have been 
all around us in recent weeks, heat waves in, in Europe and now the fires in Hawaii. So projects like Seskin are really important for doing our bit to combat climate change and help achieve you know, the Irish government's targets when it comes to renewable energy. There's been something of an explosion of applications, not just from yourselves, but, but by other wind farm companies, I suppose, in particular across Carlow and Kilkenny, we've seen a lot go in. But there is a concern. Some people feel that this technology is now old, that these kind of turbines are not really feasible, you know, and that they have a, a short shelf life. What, what would you say to address those concerns? OK, yes, yeah, so I suppose... When it comes to where we locate the turbines in the first instance, we're very much guided by a county's community development plan. And in this case, you know, the, the, the area was considered open to development. At that point, we look to consider, you know, what's the, the wind resource like at the site and what are the other kind of environmental factors that go into um, whether it's a viable site for a wind project. As I say, we're at the, the public exhibition and we intend to submit a planning application for the project by the end of the year. That planning application would be for the seven turbines for, you know, roughly 30 years. So this is a project that these turbines will, you know, stand the test of time and and we would envision them generating that kind of renewable energy for for 30 years. So I I think the technology is is very proven at this stage. We're in a good position in in Ireland where, you know, we've seen this technology in, in other European countries. We know it does what we need it to do to, as I say, you know, help in that fight against climate change and, um, you know, contribute to decarbonising Ireland's electricity supply. Some people concerned too that where they're going, their areas of natural beauty, flora and fauna and concerns for that continued growth and also health concerns too. Mm. Yeah, so alongside the planning application that we put in, we're required to submit what's called an environmental impact assessment report. And that contains very detailed information about all the studies we've done at the site to date. So we, you know, account for all the flora, the fauna, the soil, uh, any nearby water courses, things like that. And all that information is being presented at the exhibition so people can can see that, can ask any questions and can understand that. That uh, environmental report goes in alongside the planning application and we as a developer have to, you know, show that we've accounted for these environmental factors and that the the wind turbines won't significantly negatively impact on that otherwise we you know we simply wouldn't get wouldn't get the permission and then health concerns that people might have i've spoken to people in the past in in areas where there are proposed wind farms and and turbines set to be set up and and they're concerned about the impact potentially of flicker on somebody who has epilepsy say for example the sound the noise of um, a turbine um, some saying that you know, they've got children with autism that they don't think they'll react terribly well. H- how do you address those concerns? Yeah, so I, th- I think we hear these concerns, you know, we get asked these questions quite a lot. When it comes to shadow flicker, under the government's draft wind energy guidelines, shadow flicker is no longer permitted for um, wind farms. So that's something that we can, you know, categorically rule out because in future the turbines will be shut down so that shadow flicker simply won't occur. The same with noise. Ireland now has some of the strictest noise regulations in Europe for turbines. So I think an awful lot of progress has been made on that front. And I think that's really important because it gives, you know, communities the confidence that these projects are going to make, you know, a net positive impact, not only in in the local community, and that comes in the form of of the community benefit fund that will be set up if the project receives planning application and is constructed that's something really 
positive that we can give back to the local community in the form of you know funding to go towards local initiatives and activities and things like that. The turbines you reckon can stand for about 30 years what happens at that stage then when maybe you decide okay we don't need these anymore um does edf renewables do you, do you come in and take them out or or what's the process yeah so at, at the end um of the, the 30 years if we're successful with our planning application we have permission to have those turbines in place for 30 years at the end of those 30 years you know we would look at either repowering the site or the turbines would be taken down if we were to look at repairing the site then obviously we go through a full planning application process again if people want to find out more about this particular um, project, where can you direct them? Yeah, so um, there's lots of information on our website, which is www.edf-re.e. If they go to the Seskin Wind Farm page there, they can see visit the virtual exhibition. All the same information is available on that webpage. It also has the contact details for a dedicated mailbox. So if they have any queries, please get in touch and we'll be happy to answer any of those queries. So it is possible to meet an actual live human being, a person, because sometimes there is a fear among people that they're dealing with a faceless company, shall we say, and some people find that quite difficult. We place a really great emphasis on community engagement and the importance of having a proper dialogue with communities. So we want people to, to come to us with any concerns they have so we can properly address those. So yeah, absolutely, if anyone has any concerns, please do drop us an email or, or get in touch via the website. Just staying with that human kind of side of things, why did you decide to take a career with EDF Renewables? What was it about this industry that just appealed to you? Well, that's a good question. I suppose... Yeah, for me, it's, it's just a chance to have some impact on what really is the, you know, the, the biggest challenge of our times. I think everyone is very aware of both the climate crisis and the cost of living crisis. And wind energy in particular is one of the, the best tools we have at our disposal to decarbonise our electricity supply, make an impact in that struggle against climate change, and also you know, make things better for consumers because... Everyone knows that the cost of electricity has never been higher. We're spending a million euro a day importing fossil fuels and really that, that's not sustainable. So, yeah, I, I just um, I really enjoy playing what is a relatively small, small role in, in, in helping to fight those, those two challenges. Ireland winning race there, talking to David Clancy, who's the uh, External Affairs Manager for EDF Renewables, about that Seskin wind farm. Text and WhatsApps coming in about the Bank of Ireland situation uh, yesterday evening. Some people saying they're still having technical issues. Others suggesting, why would you withdraw money when you know it's not yours? And somebody even suggesting that maybe we should go back to pen and paper. That would stop all this technical stuff happening. Uh, after a short little break, uh, Una will be talking to Councillor Fidelis Dorothy about the road to nowhere. KCL or Live with the Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live with Una Neville Downig and Brian Redmond. 083 306 9696 if you want to get in touch with us this morning. Carlow Municipal District have been in touch actually reminding us that they're carrying out road improvement works on Sleety Street from its junction with 98th Street to Craig Collin GA entrance from Monday to Thursday. So until tomorrow from 8am to 6.30pm each day. It's just a reminder of that. Now we're joined on the phone by Councillor Fidelis Doherty. Good morning, Councillor. 
Good morning. How are you, Una? Not and so nice bad. Nice Well, nice to meet you over the phone lines. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. You, you, you've got a little bit of a problem with the bus stop that is not being in, is not being used. So perhaps you'd like to just tell us the history of it, where it came from, and what the problem is. Uh, Una, it's not a little problem. It's actually a long-standing big issue um, here in South Kilkenny, here in Glenmore, on the M25 Glenmore Hill. Um, previously, there would have been a bus stop when you come up the road known locally as the Churns and brings you up onto the N25. So there would have been a bus stop there that would bring you towards uh, New Ross and further afield. And right across the road there would have been another bus stop which would bring you into Waterford. So that was the issue that they kind of wanted to amalgamate them into one. And um, so a design was created, uh, approved and funding was put in place and the TII then put a hold on the facility. So it's fully completed. And it was due to open in May of 2014. This time, 10 years ago, was at the final stage of, you know, bringing it into, you know, that it's going to happen. And it never happened. And that's the big issue. Um, and it's a long-standing issue for it loads of times. Like, they talk about uh, rural transport and, you know, promoting people to use rural tra- transport. Um, and we have we have a very fine facility here in Glenmore, and it hasn't come into use. And my call is for TII to send whatever reasons they have and put it into use. People want it. You know, people need it. We have our SETU in Watford. People want to have public transport. And it was compounded by the fact, too, Una, that um, our national bus carrier, Bus Aaron, would only up to now have always just stopped at designated times. And so you would have buses passing by that weren't designated to stop, and invariably they didn't stop, which is a shame as well. So really the crux of the matter is that there is a good facility here in Glenmore. I've looked for it several times. I've raised this issue several times. So can I just go back to that for a second? Sorry for for cutting across you, but when you say a hold has been put on by TII, I'm sure you've been in touch with them. What have you done to try and move this story on that you feel so frustrated by that that you're contacting us? Just explain where the, the problem is, if you can, to our listeners. Well, the problem would be that it was um, the, the need was was recognised that it needed to be one place as opposed to two. Um, it was designed, it was approved, funding was secured, it was built, and it was just left there because they felt it is an unsafe practice. And to answer your question, Una, at that ferry location is the top of the the Creamer Road, which is our Creamer here in Glenmore. Trucks and and tractors and trailers and everything make that junction turn into the the Creamer Road. And they are using the excuse that it isn't a safe manoeuvre. It is perfectly safe because you have trucks and lorries and deliveries come to Glenmore Creamery. They come up Glenmore Hill. They take that right-hand turn, bring you into the Creamery. And that's directly where the bus stop is. So, so who's making that excuse? A lame excuse. Who, who's making the that excuse? Were making, they were making that excuse that it's a dangerous manoeuvre. How could it be a dangerous manoeuvre if you have a designated right-hand turn to bring you both into the Creamery and alongside of it, and I mean directly alongside of it, into the bus stop in Glenmore. So my call is for the TII to correct that decision for whatever reason. It makes no sense whatsoever. The locals are looking for that bus stop to come into operation, and that's my call. But as I understand it, so the National Transport Authority, they're in charge of installing the bus stops, funding, all of that. So that was done by them. And then the local authority needs to authorise the use of the bus stop. So has all that happened? And, And you're just waiting for an operator to now bring it into use? Is that basically where we're at? 
Yes, it, it was all approved. So why could you why do you approve something, make it visible in that it's done, and then come back from that decision? So a meeting with the TRI will happen later this year. And I have mentioned this and spoken about this loads of times at our Piltown Municipal District, and it's on our agenda now for September. I want this to happen. It needs to happen, and it should happen. Locals are very frustrated by the fact that we have a very fine facility there that also incorporates a wave bridge. So there's only two wave bridges in, in the county, one here in Glenmore Hill and one up the, the top of the county. And again, that's not being used. So why was that you know, infrastructure put in place and not called upon to be used? And what, what can you do further to what you've already done as a councillor to move this problem on? I suppose it's compounded by the fact that we had the route selection for the N25 water to Glenmore scheme, which came to the second stage of being approved and the road design then, so it would have been, it's an N25, which is a national route. So if that had to be changed during that route selection, then it, it possibly could get rerouted. But the problem still is that it's there, and it's always been there. It's, been, it's there nearly 10 years now at this stage, and it's disgraceful that it's there and not being used. And, you know, the using excuses that, you know, you, you, we can't make a right-hand turn in a safe way. Of course you can. Lorries and trucks and tractors and trailers go down about every hour of every day of every week. I suppose, Fidelis, that's a slightly different thing. So if I'm carrying passengers, there's a huge responsibility on me to make sure that any turns I'm, I'm being asked to make are safe. So it's slightly different, would you not say, than a, a commercial truck driver making that decision to turn there? Well, I appreciate what you're saying. Yes, uh, personal and life safety is, is hugely important. But it's there. Um, look, if they're not going to use it, close it up or whatever. I don't know, but it's, it's crazy to think that there's a bus stop there not being used. Then, if they're not going to do that, bring back the bus stops that were there. The one that's at the top of the turns. There's room there to make a pull in and make a room on the other side of the road. Bring the bus stops back into use in Glenmore. We have, other villages have it. We do not have it in Glenmore. We're on an N25, um, and that's, that's the call. Either use it or lose it. It okay. has to happen. One way or the other, it's, it's ridiculous. And if we are going to lose it, put back the other two bus stops. The poles are still there, Una. The poles that show the time uh, are still there. Okay. So well, know. it certainly sounds like it was a waste of money. And if, if there is... Yes. If there is no service in operation, some solution would probably need to be brought forth. We'd be interested in hearing from listeners 0833069696 that are affected by the lack of service in the area. And Councillor Fidelis Doherty of Fine thank you for joining us this morning to go through that with us. There's a lovely picture, Brian. Moving on to matters more comical in the paper this morning of Tommy Tiernan with his son, Jake. At his graduation, he uh, graduated from the University of Galway that we were talking about actually the day before yesterday. But it reminded me of a really funny story that Tommy told. I don't know if it was this chap, this son of his, uh, but one of his sons, when he went to college, he was telling the lads, Tommy Tiernan's my dad. <laughs> and the lads didn't believe him. So Tommy got this call from his son, probably out on a night out, you know, so quite late. And he was like, Dad, the lads don't believe who you are. So will you just come on and tell them what your name is? So Tommy said, no problem. So he took the phone and he said... I actually can't remember his name now. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said, I'm Pat Short. 
<laughs> yeah, Tommy's... Uh, he'd certainly keep you on edge if Tommy was going to be your father. That is for sure. And also probably one of the most impersonated people in the country as well. So even if somebody came on the phone and told me they were Tommy Tiernan, I'm still not sure I would believe it, you know. Famous father saying, do your head in. We've got a, a road announcement to bring you as well because due to essential maintenance works in Kilcarrig Railway Bridge, that's in Bagnallstown, uh, they'll be closed to uh, vehicular traffic. I love saying that word with that, that pronunciation on it. Um, I sound like a guard, I always think, when I say it it's like that. It's hard to say, isn't it? Vehicular traffic um, until half past one on uh, today, Wednesday the 16th of August. Access will be maintained at all times for emergency services, of course, and traffic management detours will be in place and clearly signposted road users are advised to use alternative routes where possible. And talking about sounding like a guard, it is a community assist day. Sergeant Connor Egan will be joining us in a few moments' time to talk about all the various different incidents that have happened around the countries. And we'll give you another little listen to our heritage clue for this morning. All that on the way after this. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLO. Welcome back to KCLO Live. 25 minutes to 11 o'clock this morning. It is Heritage Week. And as we've been saying all week long to celebrate, we've got two 100 euro vouchers. One for all vouchers indeed to give away every day. Well, we've got some interesting prizes coming later on the week, but so far every day this week we've given away two 100 euro vouchers. And all you have to do to listen into this clue and identify the heritage site that our very own uh, Ethnic Quirk is talking about. I was formerly at the centre of a 20,000 acre estate that has dominated the Carlow landscape for over 300 years. I have walled gardens and am one of the most photogenic buildings in Carlow. What am I? I really like the way Edna said, I'm one of the most photogenic buildings in Carlow. It was almost as if she was describing how she felt about herself. If you can identify that, she's voguing at me through the window now from the production booth. If you can identify that heritage site, do text us or WhatsApp us. 083-306-9696. It's the Dinner's Ready text and WhatsApp line here at KCLR. And to view all the terms and conditions for all of KCLR's competitions, check out KCLR96FM.com forward slash competitions. It's time now for Community Assist. KCLR Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. Yes, Community Assist uh, brought to us this week and as we have spoken before, Sergeant Connor Egan is welcome to the studio. Uh, good morning, Sergeant Connor Egan. How are you? Good morning, Brian. Very well on this fine morning. We won't ask you to go into much detail, but the, the, were the lads and ladies that were on duty last night shocked by random queues appearing at ATM yeah, machines? It, it, we were notified of it, Brian, in Carlow Station shortly after 9pm. It's not uh, your normal call on, on a Tuesday night. <laughs> There's um, a lot of people forming a very orderly yeah. queue at a ATM yeah, machine. Yeah. What should we do about yeah. that? Yeah, uh, no, we were notified uh, uh, of people gathering there, but uh, very orderly, no incident yeah. to report. Thankfully. I think I think we'll leave that one for Bank of yeah, Ireland exactly, and the powers exactly. that be from a financial perspective to deal with that. But you've a number of incidents that you wanted to talk about today. We're going to look at first of all um, a burglary that took place in Cretan Clock in Castlegar. Yeah, unfortunately, Brian, this week again we see a number of burglaries around the two counties, and this particular one. 
uh, in uh, Cretton Clock in Castle Comer. A burglary, a house burglary, Brian, and it occurred uh, again a little period of time between Thursday the 3rd of August and Wednesday the, the, the 9th of August. Again, the house was unoccupied at the time, Brian, so the, the, the homeowner returned on the 9th to find house broken into. Again, we've seen it before. The rear patio door was smashed and the house was ransacked. Mm-hmm. Now, at Currently, it doesn't appear as if anything was taken from the house. But again, look at uh, anybody that noticed anything uh, of uh, suspicious nature, activities, persons around the Cretan Clock area of Castlecomer between those dates. Uh, give up my colleagues in Castlecomer a call. Maybe dash cam, CCTV or anything like that. Or maybe you had a suspicious caller to the door around that area. Um, I thought you were talking to me for a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just uh, to, to, to contact my, my colleagues in Castle Comer. Yeah, I mean, I exhaled there because when you think about somebody returning home to a house that's been burgled when you're out, that must be quite traumatic, particularly if the house has been ra- ransacked. But again, it, it, it must be even more traumatic to be at home if a burglary occurs. Yeah, and as we saw last week, the occupants in the house upstairs disturbed the, the burglars downstairs. So yeah, either way, Brian, it's, mm. not, it's, it's an invasion of your privacy of your private dwelling and it's not it's, it's, it's not a nice thing from a psychological point of view you know you can replace uh, items and stuff but to think that somebody has been through your property and in your home mm. it, it's just it's not nice and a slightly different uh, crime committed in, in her second one I'm showing off here now because uh, it was explained to me by Garda Andy Neil a couple of weeks ago the difference between a theft and a burglary yes. and we're moving from what yes. was a burglary in Castle yeah. to, to a theft, theft in yeah. Brownstown yeah. and again Brian this time of year very prevalent the, the gardening uh, equipment and we've spoken about it probably on, on every community assist for the last number of months uh, this incident happened in the Brownstown area of Kilkenny just outside the city uh, whereby sometime between Saturday the 5th of August and Monday the 9th, so over that weekend, uh, uh, strimmers and a Husqvarna and a push lawnmower were stolen from the side of the house. Now, we've seen this far, far too often. Um, and again, look, we're appealing for anybody around the Brownstown area of Kilkenny that might have seen anything uh, suspicious, activity, vans, cars acting suspiciously maybe to, to give us a call on it. And again, and we keep heating it, if you are offered uh, a strimmers, garden equipment, power tools at a knockdown price, just bearing in mind, bear in mind, they could be stolen. Yeah, uh, it's an unusual. It's too to good to be true, you know. If it sounds it so good to it's be true, generally <laughs> going back to last yeah, night's story. Ba- yeah, yeah, generally. Yeah, that, if it's too no good to be right, true, yeah. it normally is. But that's the thing a bit with, with these type of thefts, um, because you know some of that gardening equipment is very, very, very expensive, expensive, and yeah. we don't tend to have our sheds as well secured as our yeah, houses. Correct. It's a bit of an easy target correct, that correct. one. And just to bear in mind, Brian, if you do buy stolen property, knowing or reckless to believe, I know where you're going with this. That is that is a criminal offence to handle stolen property. Mm. And it carries the same uh, penalties as if you committed the theft or the burglary. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. one. There you go. Yeah. I'm learning something new every yeah. day. Um, moving on. Our next one, I've got to ask you a question. This is described as a burglary and UT. Yes. UT. Yeah. Um, and Rathmore. What's a UT? Yeah, a UT. And I heard you trying the Gardolingo there. The a vehicular. Minutes, vehicular yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this does refer to vehicles, Brian. A UT is is what we refer to in the guards, an unauthorised taken. So it's the theft of your car. Ah, of, okay. Of, Mechanically propelled vehicle. So that Can I is, ask you a question? Yeah. Do they insist in Templemore that uh, it's described as a vehicle? And do um, maybe guards going down to train from inside the pale struggle with that pronunciation? Uh, 
I, <laughs> I suppose it's like brainwashing. <laughs> uh, I probably, I'm from North Kerry, I would have always said a vehicle. A vehicle, okay. But now I do find myself for the last 30 years a vehicle. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, 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 part, it's the training and I think it's unintentional, but it's part of it. But yeah, a UT, Brian, a very good, it's an unauthorised taking, okay. uh, the, the theft. And, and this again, one occurred in Rathmore. It did, linked to the burglary, Brian, in, in uh, Fidown, in the, uh, the Rathmore area, Fidown in Pilltown. Again, over a period of time, it was a, a house that was unoccupied, owner returned. So it's sometime between 26th of July and 11th of August. Now, I know it's a, it's, it's a fairly substantial window yeah. there. The house was unoccupied, returned home, uh, house broken into and uh, an old style BMW motorcycle stolen from, from the house. So again, anybody in the Pilltown area, Fidown area, during those dates that might have seen anything or indeed if you are offered maybe an old style BMW motorcycle uh, just bear in mind again that it may be the proceeds of, of this burglary and again my colleagues in Pilltown or Thomastown are appealing for any information on that one uh, Brian Ok so moving on to Nine Stones in Mount Leinster criminal damage yeah. um, again at 10.15 on, on a Thursday night last the 10th of August yeah, um, and again, look at a scenic area of Carlo. Uh, Brian, you'll be familiar with it. Nine stones up in Mount yeah, Leinster. Yeah, beautiful at, spot. Yeah, beautiful spot. Uh, and it's not the first time, unfortunately, we've seen cars and, and, and stuff damaged and abandoned and burned up there. But a quarter past in last Thursday night, my colleagues in Michel responded to a call of a vehicle and fired the nine stones. You said vehicle. I did. I said vehicle <laughs> there. You got me there. It's my, the Narcari coming me. Uh, the fire brigade were in, t- uh, in attendance, uh, Brian. Now, a white uh, 07 registered C- uh, Citroen C4, C4 van was completely burned out and destroyed in this. Now, we do believe from inquiries, Brian, that this uh, van was involved in a minor road traffic incident in Carrickduff and Bunclodia, but half an hour before that, around 9.40pm uh, near the Gulf Club in Bunclodia, for anybody that's familiar with it, on the Carlo Road. So it would appear that that van then veered off from the Bunclody side up into Mount Leinster, the Nine Stones, where it was burnt out. Yeah. So again, look at, we're appealing anybody up in Mount Leinster, uh, quarter past ten, summer's night, probably a little bit of activity. If you saw anybody, a van coming up, people around it, uh, and they probably fire. wouldn't have walked off oh, that location. No, they I would have been no, met by no, somebody absolutely, and collected. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's at the top of Mount Leinster there, uh, Brian, and you would want uh, transport. So, again, and maybe look at somebody, that incident in Bunclody with involving that van half an hour beforehand at around 9.40pm. Um, if that stands out, you maybe contact the, the, my colleagues in Bunclody or indeed ourselves in Carlow or Michel and, and we'll look into it. Okay, these are the ones I hate. An assault in Rose Inn Street. Yeah, yeah, that they, they, they're particularly um, that they're nasty ones, Brian. Uh, the my colleagues in Kilkenny are investigating an assault in Rose Inn Street here in Kilkenny uh, in the early hours of Sunday morning, the the thirteenth of August at approximately one ten a.m. So as during the course of this assault, Brian, uh, a male injured party sustained a bloody nose and minor cuts. Now, fortunately, uh, he didn't. The, the injured party didn't require medical treatment. Uh, we do know that his assailant was a male and was unknown to the injured party so it would appear you know no known motive maybe an unprovoked uh, an assault um, and again uh, the, the Kilkenny Gardaí they're currently canvassing CCTV of the area so 1.10am Sunday night Saturday, Saturday night Sunday morning uh, Rose Inn Street busy with both pedestrian traffic taxis maybe somebody with dash cam maybe you saw something 
uh, and even to ring us in confidentially or anonymously if you have something to offer on that one Brian we really would appreciate it Okay and finally for this week uh, moving on to uh, Benakerry and Carlow a burglary occurring there on the 14th Yeah yeah, this is a disheartening one Brian it's it's Benakerry National School Yeah um, and again my colleagues in, in Carlow are investigating this one it was we were notified of it on uh, Monday afternoon gone just after midday uh, school broken into probably sometime between the Friday evening and the and the the, the Monday afternoon. Uh, entry was by smashing a rear window, and as I said, it was disheartening. Nothing taken from yeah. the school, but they damaged table skylights and a sink damaged. Now we're two weeks out from the school year. School management and staff getting schools ready, and to come back or to face that on a Monday, school broken into and just needless damage. Like mm. you're not going. There's no cash. You're not going to get anything really. You know, in in a school over the summer holidays. So the motive for that is just you know it, it, it's terrible. So and again, look at that's a busy enough area. It's beside the 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 church in Benikerry just up from the GA pitch there was a big event on um, charity event on the GA pitch over the weekend so maybe somebody saw something there would have been a lot of activity around Benikerry over that and it's just off the main Carlo to Tolo Road so again over the weekend maybe Monday morning uh, if anybody saw anything around the Benikerry area around the school in particular now we have obviously the uh, forensic examination of the school uh, nothing appears to be taken but it's just you know an, an attack on a school it's an attack on, on the community it's, it's, it's not it's not nice No and I mean the, the disheartening thing I think about that we don't know for certain is that that doesn't sound like something that what you might deem as professional burglars would be interested in it, yeah, it feels yeah. a bit more a bit more local Yeah look at you you couldn't rule it out now uh, th- th- I must say I live in that area myself we're very law abiding that, around that <laughs> I, I wouldn't like to think it's cool but look at uh, it's unknown what the motive for something like that is so just if you have anything on that one please contact the, the ourselves here in Carlo. Yeah listen really really appreciate it as always Sergeant yeah. Conor what we might do over the next couple of weeks and months is as we move from these uh, summer months where we've been talking about people securing their homes when they were heading off on holidays we're going to be moving and facing into the darker evening so maybe we'll talk about home security from yeah, that perspective absolutely. as well yeah. but just before you go um, text her on to me wants to know um, you mentioned handling stolen goods as being a, a criminal offence so when the guards get hold of stolen property isn't it offence for them to handle stolen yeah. property? <laughs> yeah but by that reason you'd say when we seize drugs that, uh, yeah, yes yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, but, but it, it's a very good point because we're always broadcasting about you know taking serial numbers we would have millions of euro worth of property in guard stores up and down the country that we're unable to repatriate with their rightful owners because we can't identify them. Yeah. So you know the, the guard the property app to register you take a photo of your your high end your high value uh, uh, items serial numbers that if they are how long stolen, do they hold stuff for before it's we hold it indefinitely Brian really yeah 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 we do because we don't know when an owner might be you know contacted yeah. us or when we could repatriate it but we do have millions of euro worth of property of all types of property up and down the country I can only imagine you know, yeah. um, Sergeant Conor Egan as always a pleasure talking to you and uh, keep those texts and whatsapps coming in 083 306 9696 and if you do have any information at all that you think might be relevant to any of those instances that uh, Conor was talking about do get in touch with your local Garda station just coming up on 10 minutes to 11 o'clock that was this week Community Assist. KCLR. Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy.
Yes, we'll be back after a short break. Myself and Una will be having a chat and we might even squeeze in a piece of music for you. One of my favourite bands, boy band. Yes, I am partial to a bit of boy band music. We shall see. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Welcome back to KCLR Live. You're here with Una Downing and Brian Redmond, 083 306 9696 if you want to get in touch about anything. And actually, speaking of the environment, don't forget that tomorrow at 11.20 we'll be bringing you our Hours to Protect series where Ethna will continue her chat with Dr. Jack O'Sullivan. That's coming up at 11.20 tomorrow. And also, we want to give you some more money. Here's another chance to, I was going to say, have your head wrecked, but some of you I know are really enjoying this. You've been hearing all week that we've got a brand new La Hearts ID Buzz mystery sound for you. It's worth €100. Euro. Have a listen. See if you can identify this. That's it. Will we go again? So if you think you know what that is, because I sure don't, it's 83306-9696 with your guesses and your answers. We still have loads to come on the show today, but I think Brian has promised a little tune. So it is five, one of my favourite boy bands, and When the Lights Go Out. Yeah, I like that. That's five. When the lights go out. You're listening to KCLR live with Brian Redmond and Una Neve Wild Downing. It's just coming up on um, three and a half minutes to 11 o'clock this morning. Um, some really, really interesting guesses coming in for the this. Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. Una, has anybody actually told you what the mystery sound is yet? No, and I think they're enjoying my absolute frustration. <laughs> my head is completely wrecked. Don't they say knowledge is power? Yes, they do, Brian. <laughs> Give me some. Give me some. I'll tell you what I'll do during the during the news at 11 o'clock. I'll actually tell you what the mystery sound is. It'd be okay. handy for you to know because you can help me keep an eye on all exactly. of these guests coming in on our text and WhatsApp machine. And it'll stop me driving myself insane as well, which be good. Yeah, some interesting guesses. Uh, Una, who still doesn't know, says, uh, this texter says, uh, it's Rita in Casson in Lachlan Bridge. She's been on to us, Una. And she says, good morning, Brian, Una. Is the clip moving a seat back and forth? That's me. I think she means in a car. Um, uh, there's no point asking Una because Una does not know. And to be honest, every guest doesn't sound remotely what I like what I hear, but but I'm clueless, let's be honest. Yeah, there's definitely a few people having interesting guesses for there, for sure. And of course, we've been giving away our One for All Heritage vouchers all week. We've won to give away this air. We've been playing um, that mystery heritage site. And we have a winner because Dolores Morris from Calerican County Carlow correctly identified Duckett's Grove as our heritage site for this hour. We'll have another one for you in the next hour, so do stay tuned. And we've more heritage competitions and more heritage chat continuing right throughout the week here on KCLR Live. KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Yes, you're listening to KCLR Live this Wednesday morning with Brian Redmond and Una Well Downing. Coming up after 11 o'clock, Dr. Eve Campbell, Carlo Place Name Projects and Mags Morrissey. 
project leader Norvision. They both join us because it's the continuation of our chats with all things heritage. And around about 20 past 11, James Hennessy and apparently a scaly friend will be joining us from the National Reptile Zoo. All of that still to come after the news at 11 with Edwina Grace. Edwina, thanks a million. Brian and I were very jealous of your shenanigans in Boris yesterday. I'd see you had great crack, did you? I did, yeah. There was a, a great lively atmosphere and uh, yeah, it was a, a very interesting day and met lots of people from all over the place. You know, they literally travelled from all over the country and as I was saying to John Walsh earlier this morning, a lot of the traders who maybe hadn't been there for the last few years um, found themselves coming back and say they're finding the markets in Dublin and other parts of the country a little tight. Um, they thought there would be more money in Carlo yesterday. Oh, so really? Really delighted to, to set up their stalls and, and get going. And it's lovely because because it's such an annual event and because it's so cemented um, in the calendar and it's always on the, the feast of the Assumption, the 15th of August, um, you know, for a lot of people, it was catch up time. And, and whether that was people from Boris coming back, you know, I met a family, they're now based in Wine Gap and they come back every year and stay with uh, relatives so that they can enjoy the day and catch up with old school friends, with people from the area. Others just know that this is the one day in the year where they'll meet family members who will travel from all around the country. And, and I, I spoke to um, brothers from who are between them based in Ross Burke and, and, and New Ross on the, the Kilkenny uh, Wexford border and they were saying it's just an opportunity to catch up and it's you know, a reunion yeah it is and even they were saying at other events that they were at during the year go, oh, sure, I'll see you in Boris I'll see you in Boris you know and <laughs> it's just a lovely. year highlight mm. and the McCarthy's I think they were called mm. the ladies who were buying the communion dress I thought that exchange was so beautiful and it really summed up I think the way we're changing as a society but yet that cultural piece is so important to the traveller community Yeah and I I, I cover a lot of uh, traveller events um, locally and, and one of the things that's really been coming out for me um, in the last couple of years is the pride that the very young members of, of the community have in their culture and their insistence that they be allowed to celebrate it and live it. Um, and I just thought it was it was quite sweet yesterday, you know, chatting to the mum in particular who was telling me about buying the communion dress and the excitement. But she was saying, look, we've kind of scaled things back. It's no longer about the big dress that maybe we've seen on TV shows and, and, and everything else. But uh, her seven-year-old was quick to pipe in and go, oh, oh, but you have to have this, 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 you know, it's part of what we do. And, and there was so was much cute. in that, wasn't there, that you could delve deeper into. So the yeah. next time you're out and about at the fair, I want to come. You can come let with me. Hit, There's let no, me hit your ride. We'll, we'll leave Brian here and uh, I actually he'll be busy anyway given donating blood um, and that we're going to sign him up for every 90 days yeah, I, yeah. I hope you've booked your appointment for the I, ha- I have to do the um, the online review thing because of the fact that uh, I lived in the UK for a couple of years Excuses. Time's ticking Time's ticking Brian Time's ticking you, You've pledged on air I will I will I'll follow up on it And I'm going to do the needle part <laughs> Okay Thank you William Adwina KCL or live Green Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie Yes, it's eight minutes past 11 and uh, this week, Heritage Week, all this week, in fact, at this time, we're meeting different folks from across Kilkenny and Carlo who are making it all happen. Uh, this morning we'll be talking to Dr Eve Campbell from the Carlo Place Names Project and also Mags Morrissey from the project leader, Norvision. And um, both of them are joining us on the line this morning from their respective parts of the country. Good morning to you, Dr. Eve, and good morning, Mags. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. 
Well, first of all, coming to Dr. Eve, you're discussing uh, the Carlo Place Names Project. Now, you're coming from a position of great advantage because you know exactly what you're talking about. So give us a bit of an insight as, as to what uh, that Place Names Project is. Yeah, so the Carlo Place Names Project is a really exciting new initiative to record minor place names around the town of Carlo. So a minor place name is basically a place name below the level of the townland. So most of us are really familiar with our townland names. So um, we're thinking about uh, names like field names would be a really big category, but also names for things like crossroads or wells or um, prominent rock outcrops or little streams. Um, so these kind of names that don't, they're not on maps. They kind of exist within our community. So within the farming community. You look like a celeb um, hiding. <laughs> Apologies. Go ahead, Dr. Eve. Um, you're talking, Sorry, <laughs> you're talking about yeah. names on fields. Oh yeah, exactly. So, um, so these kind of um, minor names that are not on any maps, they're not on any historical records. They exist within our community. So they're how we um, talk about our landscape. If you're a farmer, if anyone from a farming background, you know that many of us have field names. If you want to go up to a certain field, you have to to know the name. And these um, minor place names, um, even though they're not mapped, they tell us a huge amount about our landscapes. You know, the history of our landscapes, how we make meaning in them. Many of the names. Um, can date back quite a long time so some of them are there from medieval times before the fields were even laid out but of course they're like a really fragile part of our cultural landscapes because they're not on any maps and with changes in farming practices as older generations pass away you know we're losing this really important part of our heritage so the project is really to sort of um do um get get people together and to get these names down onto paper so that we have a record of them and that they're there for future generations to come. And Dr Campbell, are those named fields, are they used in any legal documents? Are they land, used on land registry rights or are they just used yeah. as a local colloquialism? Yeah, they're used, they're, they're part of what I suppose we call vernacular landscapes. So they don't have any official role, they don't have any administrative role. And because of that, that's the reason why they're not really down on any bits of paper. Um, so they're more about how we get around the landscape as people. They're like, they're the part of the lived landscape. Um, and they're, you know, they're quite informal. But, um, but you know, even in that case, they can be quite old or quite significant or they can tell you... Um, they can tell you a lot about history. For example, I coordinated the Loud Field Names Project and we had some really fascinating stuff like histories of lost industries like the linen industry came up a lot and we have a lot we had a lot of Irish language names, a lot of uh, names that encode stories about people who lived in places in the past. So they're very, part of our very rich, I suppose, local local landscape histories. Um, yeah, that's, that's how they, how they And work. do they tend to change from generation to generation? You know, my father called that field his field, and then um, I, he passed away, and years later we called it Dad's field. You know, it, it, do they tend yeah. to change, or do they tend to stay um, consistent? Yeah, they're, they're a real mixed bag. So, for example, you might have um, one townland or one farm, and within, like, let's say you've got, um, let's say you've got um, one particular plot of land, and you have. 10 fields in it one of the field names could be the relic which is you know means a graveyard and in some cases they can be medi you know you could have a medieval field name or a name relating to the site of a medieval mill or something like that the next one could be on Crookmore to do with you know the topography like an Irish language name the next one could be Jimmy's field and Jimmy was your uncle so they they vary really widely in date and they definitely can change but some of them are very persistent um, the ones that tend to be the most persistent are often to do with the landscape itself. So it could be to do with a prominent rock or the type of soil or, um, 
you know, the quality of the land, if yeah. it's wetland or dry land or that kind of thing. So they're, they're really, one of the really interesting things about them is they have this really wide date and really wide um, kind of type of origins to do with social history. So again, like dad's field or, uh, you know, the field in front of the house or the well field. So they're... they're, <laughs> they're, they're I, I, I tell you what I really like about stuff like this. I, I'm a big proponent of... Uh, communication being for communication's sake and as long as you get the point across if if everybody in the room started calling an apple a banana well then the apple would just be forever known as the banana it's about communication isn't it it must be a, a really yeah. interesting project to be involved in yeah you're dead right it's about communication a lot like a lot of these names are they're they're very practical and um, I did a project up in the Cooley Mountains with a lot of the sheep farmers and if you imagine farmers working on a common age it's open there isn't discrete units and you have to be able to communicate to your neighbour other sheep on a certain place in the mountain so names in that context are very practical it's like you go up up the, the Lenny War and it's over beside you know the big rock and you have to be able to, to navigate <laughs> space and that's the same on a field if you're telling someone to, the cattle are in a certain field you have to be able to, to name to name the place so they have a very uh, so a very kind of pract- practical element but you know it's really exciting because Carlo is obviously a very different history and landscape to the Cooley Mountains or to Louth or to you know these minor place name collection projects have been happening all around the country so it's fantastic that Carlo's getting in on the action so it's going to be really exciting to see what's going to come out of um, what's going to come out of the Carlow landscape. Um, yeah. We're starting the project around Carlow Town, so the hinterland of that town. Of course, it has fantastic, rich, rich history. Um, we can think about the medieval town and, and all down through the years. So, so let's see uh, what's going to what's going to come out and, and really shed light on that those landscapes. Yeah, I find it really, really interesting, and I think it's key because it's how we give people directions really in this country. Particularly if you are a local, you go down past Campbell's Field, and then you go past the big rock, and you turn right then at Dooley's Hedge, and it's it's so so important. Exactly. Just finally. Our mental landscapes, you know, yeah. our, our landscapes in the mind. Yeah, Dr. Campbell, just finally, it, you know, to do this type of work, you can't just go online and, you know, Google and sit in the office. You must have uh, really been out beating the streets and the fields of, of Carlo speaking to people. Well, yeah, well, the project is at its very start, Brian. So we're just about to hit the ground and we'll be launching the project um, this Friday um, as part of Heritage Week. So we, we have an event in the exchange at one o'clock. Um, and that's going to consist of a bit of a walking tour of the town of Carlo, looking at the names within the town. And then we're going to launch the, the broader place names project. And following that, on the Tuesday, the 22nd of August, Tuesday, the 29th of August, and Tuesday, the 5th of September, we've got three free workshops for anybody who's interested in getting involved, sharing their place names, collecting place names from a neighbour. We'd love for people to come along to those workshops. Yeah, and very great. In Carlo Library and in Palatine GAA Club. So Carlo Library and Palatine GA Club. And if yeah. you are somebody standing in a field working your land over the next couple of months and, and, and somebody pops up to you, just, what's the name of that field? It's probably Dr. Eve Campbell out actually starting to conduct those surveys. Uh, really, really interesting. And thanks for joining us. Is it this okay if I just shout out my email address for anyone who'd like to get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> so, to, so my email address is eve.campbell at ams-consultancy.com so that's how you can get in touch with me and if you'd like to come along to the workshops they're free you can send me an email or you can register at bit.ly forward slash carlo place names just give us that uh, registration address once more so it's bit.ly forward slash carlo place names
Okay, excellent. Listen, really, really interesting project. Uh, somebody uh, texted me here saying, uh, in modern farming now, Brian, farmers are mapping their farms and just numbering all their fields, doing yeah. away with the old names, unfortunately. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we really want to, you know, um, get involved in this project. And you can see that through some of the, you know, if you go into some of the, you know, the targets or archives, you can see that. And um, I suppose we farmers are, are dealing with land in a very different way than yeah. maybe people would have done in the past. So well, Dr. Campbell, you get out there and capture all those names yeah, before they just <laughs> become numbered. Um, it sounds like a really, really interesting project. And that's the thing about Heritage Week. It's such a diverse collection of events and talks and workshops and points us back at so many elements of our heritage um, and teaches us so much. And something else that I know absolutely nothing about is eels because... Um, I've never had the reason to come across them. But Mags Morrissey is project leader at Norvision. And Mags will be uh, on the phone with us talking about eel monitoring workshops. Good morning, Mags. Good morning. Um, and I'm in the sunny spot of Innisfeed this morning, actually, where we have um, a workshop. Um, we've been working with Inland Fisheries Ireland for the past couple of years. on our, We do the citizen science part of the eel, eel monitoring on the north um, and then every year well for the last three years then we've had this workshop down here to um, just explain to people who don't know anything about eels and I would have started off a couple of years ago knowing very little about them too um, just on their life cycle which is completely fascinating um, so there's I'm sitting back and I'm watching the group so there's a large group about 20 people I'd say have gathered to uh, to listen to the talk this morning on eels mm. um, which uh, so yeah so you get little tiny elvers maybe like three inches long that's what we go looking for every, um, and uh, you'll find them under stones um, just along kind of the shallow edges um, of the of the river and tell me uh, is Inishtig a popular place for eels I mean is it the place to be if you are part of that eel community well uh, the eel numbers have dropped like dr- drastically in the last couple of years and stuff across Europe so this is the European eel that we're looking at um, so the numbers have dropped hugely so we're finding really small numbers like um, now we've had a bit of an issue with water levels this summer with high water levels where last year we had low water levels but so we could find like you'd be really exci- excited if you found four of an evening at one of the locations so but maybe in the past there might have been hundreds so we're like the numbers are quite low now but we feed the information then to the scientists the proper scientists who then with what we give them then decide on where they're going to monitor and where they're going to do more work so anything that's coming up the Noor is coming through Inishtig and um, and then out into the tributaries so we started Inishtig we have a location at Browns Barn Bridge and Thomastown um, and on one of the small tributaries so it just gives them a sort of um, an indication of what's happening um, and so and it's kind of so I was just going to ask what, what are the main things that are leading to those reduced numbers in the eel population is it that water level changing or are there other factors at play there's loads of factors because the um, eels have actually the ones that arrive here they've come from the other side of the Atlantic from the Sargasso Sea so they've got to cross the Atlantic first and then make their way up here so they've a lot of issues at sea. Um, whale numbers they reckon have increased because they've been protected for quite a few years now. So they're probably feeding on more of them than they might have been in the past. So there's a bit of an imbalance there, um, and also the changes in climate. So you know if the Gulf Stream moves, that's going to affect them. Um, but they do also reckon that the numbers coming into the estuaries are possibly lower than they were in the past, and maybe they're finding enough feed 
in the estuaries, so they're not coming upriver. Okay. But we need them upriver because they're an important food source for, for lots of our, like for otters, for example, actually. They're really important for otters. So, and, um, and they're part of our natural heritage. And these eels yeah, that you're monitoring, these, sorry, these eels that you're monitoring, you said they're quite small. They're, they're three to four inches long. I mean, when I think of an eel, I'm thinking of, you know, big anaconda-like things that'll probably give you an electric <laughs> shock if you grabbed hold of them. Uh, no danger of that happening then in each dig. No, no, we'd love to see something like that, but no, and um, they're they're the at ones and stuff. So they live for a very long time. So it might take them, I think, uh, maybe twenty years or longer or something to to get into that full size. I might be wrong on the twenty years, but um, so that takes quite a while and stuff. So a lot of the the anglers on the Noor would have seen eels that size, and there would have been a tradition of um, eel eel fishing um, on various spots, particularly in New Ross. Actually, lots of people would have stories. Um, of eel fishery and appearance and um, so yeah so they're, they're definitely part of our our cultural heritage and our natural heritage um, well because that's the thing with heritage their whole life cycle is yeah their whole life cycle is really interesting actually just if you think about that tiny little thing that makes its way the whole way across the uh, the Atlantic and up into the north and into the streams where it's never been its parents might have been here but it's never been here so uh nature is always wonderful actually it is absolutely and uh, Heritage Week is wonderful because there's a huge diversity of topics being discussed it's great to see it uh, thanks for joining us this morning Dr Eve Campbell and Mags Morrissey project leader with Norvision I'll let you get back to all of those eels in the river in Inishdeeg it's 22 minutes past 11 o'clock there's actually a really interesting type of eel Brian I don't know if you're familiar with them but there's one that can travel on land really it's called a wheel <laughs> Boom, boom. Oh, Shane O'Keefe, I'm available if you want me for a spot in the comedy club. <laughs> Don't forget, we are giving away another hundred euro voucher, an all for one voucher this morning. At this time, you have to identify this heritage site that is in Kilkenny. Have a listen. <laughs> I was the seat of the butlers, earls, marquises and dukes of Ormond for almost 600 years. I'm situated in extensive parkland. What am I? Oh eight three three oh six nine six nine six. If you think you can identify that site in Kilkenny, now coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to James Hennessy of the National Reptile Zoo, and I believe that he's bringing some form of a scaly creature in with him. So we can't wait for that. And I promise I'll stop Una from doing any more jokes. <laughs> Casey, you're live with thanks to Fair Green Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live with Una Neville Downing and Brian Redmond. And we're joined in studio by James Hennessy and his scaly little friend. James, does does your friend have a name yeah, there, your lovely little snake? Uh, we, we, we called him Glombia for a while because <laughs> because his name is, he's, well, he's a milk snake. Ah, very good. So and have you rechristened him? Though. We haven't. He's not got a proper name, actually. Okay. Let's start calling him Tearlon now. Tearlon, yeah, exactly. They keep changing their name. Well, you can. We could. We might put it out to our listeners if they have any yeah. suggestions for. Do you want to describe him to us? He is a milk snake. So he's um he's like a he's a, a coral snake mimic. So he's he's striped. He's red and he's got kind of uh, black and yellowy white bands across him. Not that big. Like that's his full. That's his full size. Or actually, it's a female. This one. Sorry, it's a, it's her full size. Yeah, she's put a length of my arm. 
It's about three foot. And would a coral snake that it's mimicking, would a coral snake be venomous? Yeah, highly venomous. Ah, very, so, very quickly. So this is relying yeah. on looking like something that would do damage rather than actually being something that would do damage. Exactly, yeah. So it keeps it safe. So And lots of mistakes have been made in the, in the States from people who've picked up things that they thought was non-venomous. And uh, they've got a little um, rhyme over there where it's uh, uh, red beside yellow, kill a fellow, uh, red beside uh, black, Venom lack, but that is those little rhymes cause trouble because they they're actually very difficult to remember Absolutely. and to get in that moment of pressure yeah. when you're faced with a they're, snake. They're also if you're if you're on holidays in in Asia, it actually works the other way around. Oh goodness so it can, me! Yeah, so it's, so you're better off if you're not known, don't touch it. I think that the basic rule is run. Yeah, yeah, or, or run. I just run stay like away. The clappers. <laughs> yes. I admire from a distance. I know. Do you find because I know you go out to schools and obviously you've got a lot of young yep. people that come into the zoo. What's the general reaction? Are we brave when it comes to? It's, it's, it's first it's fascination and then from there it kind of goes to it, it can be you know it can turn to fear but it depends on who they're with if they're very young kids they don't tend to be they don't tend to naturally fear it but if they if their parents start to, to squirm a little bit you can see it getting knocked on to the kids but, they will. but in general they're, they're, they're usually open minded and then once you get the chance to talk to them they're very open minded and I'm sure they know that you're not going to have any creature that's going to do them any harm but the tongue is coming out quite a lot isn't it it does yeah. look rather scary it does if you're not used to it. So the tongue is the equivalent of a, a dog's wet nose. So that tongue is coming out, picking up scent particles in the air, bringing it back in and processing it the same way we process smell. So he's basically smelling with his tongue. Okay. What can our little friend, as yet unnamed, what is she experiencing here? What can she hear? What can she see? Can she do so any of those things? She can. She can see. Her, her eyes is not brilliant, but she can see, and she can see quite well. You can see her looking around. Um, her hearing, hearing is a. It's a. It depends on what you do, what you classify as hearing. So they can pick up vibrations through a quadra bone in their jaw, but they don't have any external ear openings. So she can pick up, you know, vibrations like the way we pick up vibrations as sound. So if you could shout at her, she probably wouldn't pick that up. But more subsonic noises, she would. If she was on on the mm. on the desk here, she would she would pick up sound through that. Yeah, so the lower tones, she'd be more. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's actually quite a lot we don't know about that yet. So they they could be picking up higher frequencies as well. There's not a lot studied in it. Yeah, yet. it's really really interesting. Um, I'm going to have a little hold of her in yeah. a couple of moments. So, but I mean, I know you've had a really really busy summer. Well, I'm coming over to meet our yet unnamed corn snake. Um, I like to hear a lot of milk, milk snake. Sorry, milk yeah. snake. corn snake. Very different, of course. Um, you've had a very very busy summer. I mean, you know, yeah. the weather's not been great for people being outside and you know lots of kids off on school trips and um, so you've been busy doing that but you've also been busy preparing the nrz uh the nature gallery that you've got ready yeah. to launch yeah so we're trying to we're trying to get with, with stem the way it is which you know is science technology engineering and maths we're trying to extend it into steam which is where everyone is going which is science technology engineering arts and maths so we're trying to bring more the art side of it so we've got three um three artists who are who are exhibiting their work and it's all nature based so we've got uh, we've got uh, Joanna Santos, uh, Anna Grace, and Tasneem Khan, and they're doing uh, three quite different. Um, one is photography of species across the world, uh, mostly reptiles. The other is local um, uh, scenic areas with you know nature based areas, and then Joanna's would be it's uh, actually graphic illustrations that she does digitally of reptiles, and it's actually most of the reptiles in the zoo that she's drawn. Okay, and so are you inviting other artists to contribute to that? Or we, we did earlier on in the month. Okay, so, yeah, so that's those ones we've curated those three, those okay, three together. So it's another addition to the visitor experience. Yes, there, absolutely. Yeah, we're, nice. we're hoping to extend on it again next year. So once it once we kind of it's so far it's there seems to be quite a bit of interest. So if if it works uh, for, for the couple of weeks we have it, we'll probably 
do it a couple of times during the year and try and extend that remit to you know as much art as we can get in Which there. Which is fabulous. I don't know how Brian's getting on over there with it's great, looks for, yeah. He looks very comfy actually, Brian. So you do. Yours now. It's um, similar to sort of holding a, a baby. You've just got to sort of <laughs> let them settle into it. That, and that's, um, it that's literally it. Yeah, you're. you're I mean, you're, what you're doing at the moment, you're not. You're not really holding it. I mean, she's holding you. She, you're doing exactly what you should do. You're just sitting there being a tree for her to sit on. Yeah, and I'm wearing a green jumper today exactly, as well, so yes. she probably feels very much at home. home. Do you think that's scary? For, no, not Brian in particular, of course. <laughs> but is it scary for a snake to be? that close to a human from the snake's perspective if you're doing exactly as Brian's doing at the moment where you're you're not uh, a threat and you're not a food source you're then just perceived as the background so it it literally thinks that you are just a, a rock or a tree well there's probably plenty of food on me there might be just too much for her to handle in one bite but um, no it's it, I mean people talk about you know they don't feel slimy at all. They're Not perfectly all, yeah. dry um, in terms of their temperature. I know we've met before. We've talked about, you know, they prefer those warmer temperatures. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they're sitting there comfortably looking around the place. Yep, totally chilled. And, you know, very, and it's always a good sign when they stop moving about like that. You know, her head's still moving, her tongue's licking. She's still quite, you know, tuned in and aware. But her body's nice and relaxed. She's quite and happy. she's happy there, yeah. Do you ever get, I suppose it depends what the person does, but mm. you have lots of people that come through the doors and they might not be calm like our Brian yes, is yeah. so do you see reactions sometimes that are a little bit frightening from the animals so the way we set it up in the zoo we've got our encounter area and the keepers will keep the animal back quite a bit at first and that gives them the opportunity to kind of gauge what the audience are doing so at that point you know you, you can tell people are a little bit off edge if they're not quite comfortable with it so they're approached a little bit closer and, and quieter with the, the keepers will always stay in control of the head at all times just in case and then they're reading the, the animal's body language so the minute it does something we don't want it to do you know we, we take it away as soon okay. as we can and they're so clever aren't they the way that we've been talking all week about birds and, and now we have reptiles on the menu today but they adapt not on the menu I hope oh, no, not the menu. <laughs> <laughs> are they edible? they, they are there's, a, there's one actually there's have one you not watched on the celebrity snake. get me out of here? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean if you go to a restaurant can you Yeah, not in Europe generally in, in uh, parts of Asia you they are I never uh, saw it Cobra is, is eaten quite a bit. Okay. Um, as a more of a delicacy than anything else. But there's one species of actually poisonous snake, as opposed to venomous. So snakes are some snakes are venomous. So if they bite you, you know you're, they, in, they, trouble. you're in trouble. But poisonous means that if we bite it, we're, we're in, in trouble. trouble. So okay. there's a radofa species, a species that if we eat it, it's actually toxic. But that's the only species. That's the only species. So technically, there's only one species of poisonous snake. Okay. But lots of venomous. And that's just, it, that's just the terminology. I mean, we do. I'll just is that a point? Yeah, yeah technically, yeah. yeah, technically, very, very different. What kind of speed could this guy, this lady? I'm, I'm yeah, getting I know her gender say, wrong, yeah. but what kind of speed could she uh, do? The way to handle that unit is to ask her how she wishes to be identified. I don't think she can tell me. <laughs> Probably not. Um, so she's uh, if she was if she was hunting for her food, she can be quite quick, but nothing like a human. Like we'd a fast pace walk without 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 oh, pace or fairly we quickly. We have the impression that they're faster. If yeah. you let her down, I'm not saying that you, you I'm inviting mm. you to if you want to, but if you let her down there, could, could, would she move? She probably wouldn't bother. She's so used to people. Um, she'll mooch about like she's doing. If she was hungry and she saw something move, she would take after it pretty quick, okay. like a small mouse. Um, but she's, you know, even at that, you would still catch up with her just as quick. Now, if it's through the undergrowth, forget it she's going out to out, you know, and James I'd say if you did that or down our, our technical expert in the building here Ken McGuire would have a nightmare <laughs> because with all the cable reels around oh, yeah, and everything yeah. else she'd find a home very oh, very quickly you know you've been as you said very very busy all summer along with the children in and out of course those activities continue right throughout the winter months as well yeah so that's uh, I mean we, we, we open 360 well 360 uh, two days a year 
so we close at Christmas but yeah we, we try and keep things going and even in the winter because of the weather you know, we, it doesn't affect play per such so we're always we're always open we've, got, we've always got things on so we're actually at the moment we're running our summer camps and we're looking at possibly doing them as an after schools programme because we've had such demand for people who are want to do things that are not necessarily sports maybe more science orientated mm. so we're possibly looking at that now and I think you know you know th- that whole thing of the living breathing world and yes. you know the, the global economic what I'm talking about is the global um, environmental crisis as well yeah. I mean children are so aware of that and I think when we see in practical terms the connection between the environment and the living world, yes. it brings all that to home very much more, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. And that's that's the one of the things we can try to aim to do is that big disconnect that we've got as we get more digital. You know, we move away that those things that we should be caring about and looking after are stuff that we just see on screens, and so you don't care for them as much. But as soon as you make that connection with them, or we get you know kids and even adults to make that connection, suddenly be, you know you you become much more in tune with what's actually going on in the world. It's fascinating. You mentioned there that if you if she saw a little small mouse, she could probably do better than a small mouse, could she? She could, yeah. She eats, we feed her um, big mice and wiener rats. We call them wiener rat, rats that have just been weaned off the mum. We don't feed them live food. Uh, we buy, we buy them in frozen. They're they're ethically sourced and they're, they're actually they last longer if they're frozen as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you defrost them before. No, we, you yeah, we, no, we do. Yeah, we defrost yeah. and we make them work for them. So we act as if they're. We make it look like it's alive and it does. Yeah. You know, make them search and so on. You look so comfortable holding her. It's just it's it's, it's a great thing to see. And actually, I think we're going to have some pictures up on I don't know Instagram or on the website or something. Oh, later. we have them everywhere because they are really <laughs> like she's a gorgeous little thing. And yep. it was very interesting, James, to hear about her this morning. Thank you so much for coming in to much, introduce. Guys us and tell us more about what you're doing and the lovely exhibition on site. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, 23 minutes to 12 o'clock. The snake has left the building. Um, But one of the things that we've still got to do is give you another opportunity to pick up that €100 all-for-one voucher. Um, All you have to do is listen to this clue. Um, It relates to a heritage site. It's our own ethnic work giving you uh, the bit of a clue. If you can identify it, text us or WhatsApp us on 083-306-9696. It's the Dinner's Ready text on WhatsApp line. And tell us where Etna is talking about. I was the seat of the butlers, earls, marquees and dukes of Ormond for almost 600 years. I'm situated in extensive parkland. What am I? That's it. If you think you can identify that site, 083 306 9696 and you could find yourself 100 euro, well, a 100 euro voucher, the richer. There is so much happening this week. We have Kilkenny Arts, we have Heritage Week, which we've been talking about all week, but it's also Her Outdoors Week, which, if you've never heard of, is a week that aims to celebrate and encourage more females to get out and enjoy the benefits of being in the outdoors while bringing visibility to the opportunity for females to get involved in outdoor physical activity. I'm joined on the line by Emer Lynch, the Community Sports Development Officer with Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership. Good morning to you, Emer. Hi, Una. How are you? I'm not too bad. So this is a wonderful week. I love the idea behind this. Can you tell us a little bit about where it came from and what's going on over the course of the week? Yeah, so uh, Her Outdoors, it's a Sport Ireland initiative. And like you said, it aims to celebrate and encourage more females to get out and enjoy the benefits of being in the outdoors. It also gives females the opportunity to get involved in outdoor physical activity. And like this week is all about providing more opportunities for all females to escape in the outdoors and try new things. So in Kilkenny, um, over this week and over the past couple of weeks, we've had uh, four programs. 
Uh, we've had Reaching New Heights, which is a hill program, hill walking, and that was over four weeks. And the last day is tomorrow, where 12 women are going to be climbing Mount Leinster. Uh, we also have Her Outdoors, which is for teenage girls, and that's in partnership with Castle Comer Discovery Park. And we have a Rock Up and Climb uh, program, which is for rock climbing out in Ballykeith, and that was in partnership with Mountaineering Ireland. And then we've got Get Her Kayaking, which is a kayaking and canoe skills course for teenage girls, and that is on the 19th and 20th of August. Okay. What was the Castle Comer? I missed that. What was the activity there at the event? Yeah, so it's a Her Outdoor uh, program. Um, it's for teenage girls, and it involves... So week one, uh, they, which was the first and second groups, they would have done team challenges, archery, and banner making. We two, uh, they did Skywalk Challenge. We three, which was uh, this week, uh, raft building. And then they're finishing up next week with zip lining and axe throwing. Okay, so there's loads going on. I think what's really interesting loads, about yeah. this initiative is, because there are other, we spoke with Niamh uh, Murray a couple of weeks ago from Move to Be, which looks at a sport of getting rid of the limitations for, for girls getting involved in sport. But this focuses in particular on outdoor activity which I suppose is, is to, to promote the benefits of fresh air. Is that the idea behind it, Emery? Yeah, and it's to get uh, women and uh, teenage girls out into the outdoors and explore outdoor activity. Um, so, um, as like a lot of outdoor activity would be free, so such like hill walking, you can do that with your family and friends. Um, so it's about uh, letting the females uh, try these new activities. Okay, and I guess since COVID, which I seem to be talking about a lot more than I'd like to be, but I guess since then we did reintroduce the outdoors much more to our lives, didn't we, in a very positive way. So it's building on the back yeah. of that, I imagine. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, it's a, um, with COVID, like a lot of people would have got into walking and hill walking would have been a big one for a lot of people. So I was getting people outdoors and giving them new opportunities um, to try these activities. And just reminding us of the benefits, I went yesterday to the beach and I hadn't been there for four or five weeks and honestly, the benefit of a good long walk and the sea breeze, how much it clears your head is remarkable. Yeah. It really is. You know, it is fantastic for um, uh, mental, uh, social and um, physical well-being, so it is. So it's about targeting all the areas and the most important, getting people physically active. And I'm joined in the studio here, Emer, by Ethna Quirk. Ethna is our producer and I will say she's one of the most outdoorsy girls that I know. Ethna, you know all about the benefits of the fresh air and the wild swimming and all that, don't you? Yeah, look, at, I do. And I just, I suppose, it's, I think it's just a great initiative by Sport Ireland. So it's lovely to chat to Emer about all the, the bits and pieces that are happening across um, Kilkenny. And just wanted to flag, I suppose, something that I'm attending this evening is Pilates in the Park in Carlow Town Park, uh, which has been organised by Carlow Triathlon Club as part of the Her outdoors week um, so just Carlo Tri Club there inviting anybody who's interested to pop along and we'll probably jump into the river afterwards and have a cuppa and a chat oh, that's brilliant. yeah so just that I know that there's lots of different bits and pieces going on across Kilkenny and Carlo so the Sport Ireland for slash her outdoors um, will get you to some of those other events but it's a super initiative um, and great to see it developing across the counties as well Emer. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And even if you go onto the local sports partnership website, you'll see loads going on throughout the country over the next week, so you will.
One of the things that I think is quite interesting, and I'm going to maybe mention this or ask either of you to come on on this, is the fact that we talk a lot about if mothers are involved in sport, it really encourages their daughters to do that. And I know, Ethna, you have a an eight-year-old, no, 12-year-old. Yeah, Evie's nearly 12. So yeah. do you see that, that when she sees you out about and active, that it gets her kind of motivated to do the same? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that when you talk to the Move to Be project, they were talking about that it's not just mothers and daughters, it's actually it applies to to mothers and sons as well that when children see their parent particularly their female parent out exercising that it really encourages them to stick with or to take up new sports themselves and and there's research there to look at that so yeah look absolutely last night my guys the four of us were jumping off the pier in Bagnestown hello to James Lakes as well who saw us there and he's on his bought a couple boat but um we yeah, when we were walking back down, the four of us were in our togs and we were, you know, wet and laughing. And I said, it's just lovely for us to be able to do that. Like, it's it's really one thing that we all love to do together and it really bonds us as a family. So that's lovely. And you know what? You came in this morning and you were in such great form. I think the benefit of that fresh water is incredible. Weren't you though? Ah, yeah, look, I really missed it over. Uh, like I try and swim every day during the summer in, in Bagnestown on the way home from work um, or then pop over with the kids after dinner or whatever. But I really missed it this summer with the weather being so bad. So we had a couple of May, July, May, June weeks where we were there every day and it just really invigorates me. Um, so the last you know, kind of few days we've been back out with the weather being a bit better because it's not only the bad weather it just changes the water conditions as well so the current is very strong so you know especially when I'm with the kids I don't like to put them into into that so it's been really nice to get back in there yeah Emer, are you good for the the fresh water swimming um I would go out into the water times fresh water swimming wouldn't be my thing but um I'd be more like into the hikes and that kind of activity Okay, well, listen, loads to to enjoy around Carlo Kilkenny this week with her outdoors. And thank you so much to Emer Lynch of Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership for bringing that to our attention. Actually, before I let you go, Ethna, I want to ask you about something that you told me this morning. If you don't mind sharing with our listeners (laughs) something you saw on the riverbank. Yeah, I have a couple of um, shout outs to do. But one of the things that I have noticed since I've been back in Bagnestown over the last few days is a sign that has appeared at the side of the riverbank. And it's on stilts. It's across from the swimming spot just at the at the at the pool there in Bagnestown. And it's a sign that says hairy. And <laughs> it's written. It seems to be in plywood, but it's big white letters. It says hairy. It looks like a cloud. So myself and the Does kids. Does that sign only appear on the day that you were swimming down there? <laughs> no. So myself and the kids have been trying to figure out, you know, we were trying to make guesses. We said maybe it's because it's cloudy, maybe because there's sheep in the field. But I ran into um, the Barrow, some of the girls from the Barrow Wild Swimmers um, in the river yesterday. And they appealed to me to please ask, <laughs> does anybody know what the hairy sign in Bagnestown is about? Because they were getting a little bit conscious that it might be in relation to them. So if you are involved in an art installation or a prank or whatever else, we'd love to know what the hairy sign is. I think we could make this a bit of a, a mission. What are we now? We're quarter to 12 on Wednesday. We've got we've got some 48 hours in Radio Land to get to a quarter to 12 on Friday. Can we make it our mission to find out who... Because, I mean, if they are talking about people that are swimming up there, that would be absolutely hilarious. But, I mean, let's try and find out what that hairy sign is. If anybody has been up there... and 12, s- surely. Not today. Of course we could. But does it look more arty or more pranky? It looks like a fe- it looks like a sign that you'd see at an electric picnic or oh. uh, you know one of the festivals. That's it's it's 
it's raised, it's on wooden stilts, it's got four of them, it's in a field, it's very prominent and it's quite large and I'd just love to know as would the wild, what it means. The barrel wise. Well, let, let's start off by seeing if anybody's got a photograph of this hairy sign up there. Uh, text us or WhatsApp us it now because I want to see it. Oh eight three three zero six nine six nine six. Are you planning on going swimming this afternoon? Um, I hope to get over at some stage this afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you haven't got a photograph in from a listener by then, let's start with you bringing in a photograph tomorrow eve tomorrow, and we'll stick it up on um, the on Instagram page to see if we can. Right yeah, the hairy sign. Yeah, and I had one last thing just to throw in. Um, I said hello to James, yeah, who was kind of bewildered at me and the four, the three kids waving at him from, he was travelling down the, the barrow in the Bod Keppel and uh, with tourists in there and it looked like it was, well, it was certainly a lovely evening for it. So hello again to our James Lakes. And the last thing I wanted to say was a big hello to Mr Keating in Carlo, who is one of our avid listeners. Um, and I was chatting about him yesterday, so I know he's tuned in and I just wanted to say hello. Oh, that's lovely. Well, listen, thank you for bringing the hairy sign to our attention and also for speaking about the benefits of the outdoors uh, for all this week. Her Outdoors. Great name, by the way, isn't it? Her it Outdoors. It is super so as opposed to the Her Indoors uh, yes, exactly. for years. You know, it's yeah, nice yeah. to... We're out. And a positive spin on it. Absolutely. Okay. We will be back right after this short break. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR. Ten minutes to twelve o'clock here on KCLR Live with Brian Redmond and Una Well, Downing, we um, have one more opportunity to do this for you this morning. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR with thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahart's Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahart's.ie. We kick this off on Monday with a brand new sound for you to identify. What we're asking you to do is to tell us what you think this sound is, and if you no, or if you just want to have a guess, a bit of a punt at it, 083-306-9696 is how you can take part. Have a listen to this and see what you think it is. God, it's so short this time, isn't it? One more go. Yes, that's the sound. 0833-9696 is worth €100. Euros. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahart's Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahart's.ie. And don't forget, of course, you can view all the terms and conditions for all our competitions here on KCLR by visiting kclr96fm.com forward slash competitions. You've got about the length of time that it will take Brian Adams to tell us what looks good on him to get your entries in. Brian Adams there with the only thing that looks good on me is you. Nobody correctly identifying the mystery sound, which has just reminded me that I have to tell Una what the actual mystery sound is when we're finished on the show this morning. Um, some interesting stories on breaking news overnight, like the Bank of Ireland thing that we were talking about, but a few more bits and pieces on the front pages of the papers as well, Una. I like the bits, Brian, and here's one. It's actually from yesterday's paper, but I, I highlighted it yesterday because I thought it was just fascinating. Who said money can't buy you love? Rupert Murdoch has a new woman at the ripe old age of 92. He has got, well, I don't know how old his new companion is, but she sure is not anything 92. near his, which is quite amazing. Let's see if we can find out while you're doing that. I mean, you say money can't buy you love. I'm sure Rupert Murdoch has an absolutely mag- magnetic personality as well. 
I'm not sure about that, but I, I think it speaks to the confidence maybe that you get when you're really rich and another 90-year-old would think that he's that much of a catch, but I'd say Rupert has no such problem thinking that he is, you know, anyone's fancy. That's what it looks like to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, interesting to see. I mean, is that uh, is there anything wrong with that, do you think? No. I mean... I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Anybody that that wants to date anybody of any age, off they go and the best of good luck to them. But I do think if if uh, Rupert didn't have a few pounds in the bank, that he would not feel the same level of confidence himself in going out there and chatting people up is what I reckon. I don't know. And um, if you think it's... Um, you say of any age. What, how big of an age gap is too big, though? I think that is up to the two parties involved, isn't it, really? As long as everything is above board, legal and consent, taking all those things into account, it really is your own choice. I have seen relationships over the years with a massive gap and it works brilliantly. And I've seen the opposite where you're the exact same age and it doesn't work. So I don't think you can really say one age fits or one age gap fits. Well, his new girlfriend, Elena Zukova, 66. Oh my God, you're so, right. Yeah, you see, you know, judging a book by its cover. Um, only 26 years of an age gap between them. And I think you know, as people get more advanced in ages, um, the breadth and depth of the gap is sort of less of an issue. 66, 92, if they're both happy. I think science says, Brian, and I think this might be very good music to your ears, but I think science says that if the man is six years older, that is the perfect gap in terms of maturity, having similar level of maturity. But as I say, I think anything goes in a way. Well, I'm five years older than my wife and she occasionally finds me slightly immature. So (laughs) that's probably the reason for that. Una, it's been a pleasure as always yapping away this morning. Um, Looking forward to uh, the rest of the week ahead. We've got lots planned. We've got more of that Heritage Week stuff and, and more of the Heritage Week competitions to do as well. Have you got more planned for your afternoon? I don't as yet, but I'll make some great plans once I get out of here. You're going to need Downing and Brian Redmond with you on KCLR Live this morning. We'll be back with you again from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And of course, John Keane is up between 12 and 4, bringing you lots of music this afternoon. Trishana Archer taking things on from 4 o'clock. And we've just got one last little bit of housekeeping to do, which is to tell you the winner of the voucher for the second hour this morning, which is uh, in Kilkenny. It's correctly identified as Kilkenny Castle as being the heritage site for this hour. But who was it? Well, it was Keith Parsons from Greg Namana. Congratulations to you, Keith. That voucher is on. On the way to you very, very soon. From me and from Una. See you tomorrow. Take care. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Glow with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.